This episode of Little Bit of Life podcast is sponsored by Goat Balm. They started as a side business to create an all-natural beard and skin balm for those men using beeswax, one of nature's amazing compounds. Being in the service, they didn't get to grow a beard, but they had a lot of friends who did. However, with very dry hands during the winter and after researching all of the ingredients for the balm, the owner realized that the product is good for both hair and skin. And as far as the motto goes, it's to make an affordable, effective, all-natural grooming product for every man. All of their products smell absolutely fantastic from their beard conditioner and their skin moisturizer all the way to their go after shame balm. They have everything that you need. Whether you prefer to order online or you can also order off of their Instagram or their website, it is www.goatbalmsquare.site. I will make sure to put all of the information for your ordering needs for your man or for yourself right here in this episode. And for today's listeners, use the code BITOFLIFE15 for 15% off of your order over $25. Make sure you go and follow today. And for every man, make sure that you smell clean, feel clean, look clean, and use the goat balm today. Welcome to the Little Bit of Life podcast. I'm your host, Little, better known as Tabitha. A lot of you may know me from social media, but Little is shown off the apps. This podcast is dedicated to having the real, raw, and the occasional chats on topics of what we seem to think but don't say. Special guests will join me on these topics that have impacted me along the way. Very little is off limits. Tune in on your favorite streaming platform and be a part of the interview with videos on the Little Bit of Life podcast YouTube channel. Let's dive into these topics together, one voice, one story at a time. Hey guys, welcome into another episode, a little bit of life podcast right here with your host, Little. It's been a while. We haven't checked in in what, maybe a week and a half, two weeks. Did you miss me? Because I missed you. Today, I have an episode for the guys. Yes, this is an episode for the men. I have on an amazing guest today. His name is Brian Bernardino, and he is a mindful masculinity mentor. He is teaching men how to unlock your full potential and live a purpose-driven life, especially with all the expectations of society on your shoulders. He helps men transform their mindset, unleash your confidence, and forge epic relationships. I am so excited for this very special episode for the men, because guess what? They are the kings in our lives, they are the backbones of our family, and sometimes they just need to feel seen and heard and appreciated. Sit back, relax, and if you are a man listening to this episode, this is just for you. Or maybe you're a female and you're listening and you want to send this out to that special man in your life, guess what? Now is the time. Let's enjoy today's very special episode with Brian. Hey guys, welcome into another episode, a little bit of life podcast right here with your host, Little. When we think of men, we think of strong, powerful, stable. They're the kings in our life and especially in our partnerships and our coworkers, especially even with our family members. But I have on a very special guest. His name is Brian. He's on with us today to talk about how do men get to this point? Is it through society, generational teachings, trial by error, lessons learned? How do men get into this position to be that strong king of their own life and their partnerships. And we're diving into diving into the men's mind. This episode is for the men. And I'm so excited. Brian, welcome on. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. 
I'm so excited. When we look at your Instagram, we look at your social media, you embrace everything when it comes to men. And we're talking about everything from how to unlock the full potential and also how to transform their mindset, unleash confidence, and really just find their place. So we're diving right into the topic of mental versus physical strength. Do you think that this is something, especially with society, that men struggle with right now? Absolutely. Um, I think there are a lot of societal expectations around what makes a strong man and how a strong man needs to be. Um, and a lot of times that's, as you mentioned, the physical strength and, and also a lot of stoicism, right? Where I push away my emotions and I don't let my emotions show or really become a thing at all. Um, I'm completely disconnected from my emotions. Uh, mm-hmm. And you see people go the other way of wanting to get more in touch with their feminine side and become more of the nice guy and the, the kind of pushover guy. And so it's really about finding that, that next level uh, beyond the, you know, the, just the strong stoic man that society kind of expects us to be the nice guy pushover that maybe a lot of people intellectually think they want us to be, but not necessarily in practice want us to be, you know, it's the, it's the man who is strong emotionally is vulnerable in the sense that he puts himself out there and, um, and is not worried about any sort of external opinions or um, any sort of external pressures because he's okay with who he is uh, on the inside. Um, and he doesn't mm-hmm. let his emotions control him. At the same time, he is good at expressing uh, those emotions in a healthy way. For those men that are listening on this episode, I've gotten a lot of poll reactions and it's always 100% across the board. It's always that thing that society teaches us and it teaches men that nice guys finish last. And there's this really big stigma. We talk about mental health a lot on my podcast where, I mean, I was raised in this generation with my parents and my grandparents of men are not to express their feelings. They're not supposed to say when they're having struggles. They're not supposed to say when things maybe are not going their way. They're emotional. They have a sense of redirection. So when we're talking about mental health and that mental capacity with men, Versus what we see in movies. It's all about that strength of, you know, be strong and be masculine and, you know, don't talk about your feelings. Do you feel that the mental health stigma of society is really starting to negatively affect men being able to just go that next step and really just embrace their feelings nowadays? I think that stigma has been hurting us for quite a while. Uh, I mean, it's been around for a long time about, uh, and, and there's two aspects to it, right? The one is, is we feel like we aren't supposed to express our feelings or talk about our feelings. Um, and at the same time, we're also, we feel like we're, we're, we're not supposed to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Like, even if we are struggling with something, we should be able to deal with it and we should be able to handle it. And that it is almost an admission of failure. If I have to go in and talk to somebody about some sort of situation that I'm not able to to handle, which really mental health should be looked at as you know, just any other health, right? If I've, if I've got a cold, if I've got the flu, I'm going to go to my doctor. He's going to assess my symptoms and, and possibly give me some medication um, or, you know, just the, some directions about lying in bed and eating chicken soup and drinking a lot of fluids. Uh, and the same can be true for mental health as well. Um, so I think it's something that's, that's hurt us for, for quite a long time. And it, it's interesting that you mentioned about the nice guys finishing last, um, Dr. Robert Glover, who's a big influence on me, uh, wrote the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy, and sort of came up with the nice guy syndrome. And he actually has a course that, and he says this in his book as well, that really hit me between the eyes when I read it. 
And that is nice guys don't finish last. They rot in middle management. And I think more than anything, that's the thing that scares me is mediocrity. It's not failing. It's not, you know, losing everything. It's just being okay and looking back on my, on my life and going, wow, I just missed out on so much because I was afraid to speak up and ask for what I want. I was afraid to set boundaries and, and, and set what is acceptable behavior and what's not acceptable to me. And I, you know, didn't think about my mental health in the sense that, you know, if something is bothering me, I want to thrive every day and I want to fix that, whether it's, it's an external thing that I'm dealing with or something emotionally that I need to deal with. Uh, so, uh, I, to me, mediocrity is my biggest fear. Mm -hmm. When we're talking about, and it's something that you always show, especially with your social media, and I'll add all of your information in the bio description. When we talk about emotional connections, I think with women, we think almost the opposite. We have an emotional connection with men first. Men have a physical connection and the emotional comes after. I feel that this, there's this big movement of men learning how to have an emotional connection, how strong that is, because it leads into communication, learning about their self, learning about their confidence. And it's something that you mention in social media on your profile. How is your importance level and how do you teach men to have an emotional connection? Because this is something that can, you know, strive from past relationships, family, generational trauma. So it's something that we're kind of passing from how we grew up, how they learned into coming into relationships, even with coworkers or their own children or families with that emotional connection. How strong is that? It's, it's very strong. And it's something that, that we miss a lot of times as, as men. I think that's one of the biggest things when we talk about getting in touch with our emotions or connecting with our emotions. That's a lot of times what we're talking about. But the way that you get there, a lot of people really misunderstand that. Um, they think that I've got to be more feminine or that I've got to be more controlled by my emotions or wear my emotions on my sleeve, which that's not the case at all. Uh, the way that I talk about it is there's a there's a relationship between all the things that we have, right? There's our thoughts and our thoughts lead to an emotion and an emotion is different than a feeling, right? It's, it is an emotional reaction and, and we have our emotions for a reason. They're giving us information about how we're responding to whatever it is that we're responding to, in this case, a thought. And from your emotions, you have a reaction or an, or an action that you take from the emotion that you have, and those actions lead to results. So it's thoughts, emotions, actions, results. And we can't really control our thoughts, but we can control our emotions, we can control our actions, and then ultimately we can control the results. And the more that we can become aware of that, the more that we can become aware of the space between those that emotion that I'm having and I have that space to maybe make a different choice because the emotion that I'm having maybe is not serving me or is not uh, fitting for the particular moment, let's say. Or even if I do have an emotion, maybe I can make a choice to have a different action or something of that nature. Because whether we are in touch with our emotions or not, they're still there. We still have an emotional reaction to thoughts that we have. And that formulates a story that we have in our head that we're telling ourselves. And usually we're seeing the world through that lens, through the lens of that story that we're telling ourselves. And so the more that we can insert ourselves into that process and rather it be just a, an automatic process that happens without us, uh, you know, an unconscious process, the more that we can insert ourselves, the more control that we can have around how things affect us and how we react to things and how we connect with other people. 
There's a huge transformation in roles of a man, especially now. I mean, we're in year 2023, and if our grandparents and their parents saw the role of a man now, it would be unheard of. I mean, there's so many men that are being incredible. They are stay-at-home dads. The mothers are working. There's men that are creating a business and working from home versus having to leave the home and be the provider. So I feel that this Mm -hmm. is kind of this almost extra weight on men's shoulders right now because there's such this generational shift But still that expectation from society to be the provider, be the breadwinner, hold it together, be there for your partners, be there for your spouses and your children, but there's still kind of that shift. So how are you teaching men, especially with your social media and the position that you have in the community, how are you teaching them to accept their role within their household now, but still have that confidence of finding their happy and kind of adapting to each and everything that gets thrown at them? Hmm. That's a great question. And I think to answer that, it's important for me to to um, define what it is that I'm talking about when I speak about masculinity and femininity. Uh, and that is, it's not your sex, which is biological. You're either male or female. Um, it's not your gender, which is how you relate to the world. And we know there's a lot of discussion that's happening about gender and how recognizing how people want to relate to the world. That's not what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. What I'm talking about is a third kind that is around a uh, a set of qualities that we have uh, internally and that we in- individually will identify more strongly with one versus another. So it doesn't necessarily mean that I am biologically male and maybe I'm a, a, a cisgendered man. It doesn't necessarily mean that I am uh, identify with the masculine. Right. That's most that's more common. But I could identify with more feminine qualities of, of flow and creativity and, and these types of things. And so it's important to think about that because when you think about, you know, you talked about like these role reversals where you have somebody who's a, a stay-at-home dad, um, somebody who identifies as masculine and is predominantly masculine with those qualities can definitely be a stay-at-home dad because they learn to cultivate that, that nurturing side and that caring side and, and caring for the children throughout the day. What's important is that they have to understand that because they are identifying more as the masculine, there needs to be a switch when that, um, say, when their partner gets home or their wife gets home, there needs to be that switch into that masculine energy that they have and, and balancing that out with the feminine energy that, uh, that his partner uh, may be giving to him. Uh, and the same would be true for, um, for the females that identify in maybe more with feminine energy and somebody who's maybe in a leadership role, she's going to be in her masculine energy most throughout the day. And those are qualities that she has and that she can cultivate. And, uh, you know, as we know, there's no reason why she couldn't hold that position. Right. And just when she comes home, because she identifies more as the feminine, it's going to be important for her to get into that feminine energy and for her to feel that balance from her partner of that masculine energy. Because otherwise, Mm -hmm. that's where friction starts to come in when we feel like we are being forced to get into our inner uh, energy that's not native to us or that is that we don't identify with that we're not quite ready to do. Right. And Mm -hmm. and a lot of times this comes up in um, in male and female dynamics where you have a simple discussion about where do you want to go for dinner? And, you know, the guy says, well, I don't know. I don't care. Where do you want to go? Right. And it, it, in that moment, I think the the feminine is really wanting the masculine to, to, to make a decision. Um, 
and to just be into his feminine or excuse me, his masculine energy and make that decision, which is a very masculine trait because she doesn't necessarily want to do that. She's perfectly mm-hmm. capable of making that decision. And if she has to, she will. But a lot of times she'll probably feel a little um, uncomfortable with that or, or maybe a little resentful because she's maybe had to be in that, that masculine energy all day doing various things. And now she wants to embrace her feminine, her feminine side. So it really becomes, you know, to answer your question, it's about being self-aware of what it is that we need in every, any, any particular moment and being able to tap into those different qualities and also holistically looking at giving us what we need to balance us out. Mm-hmm. That dreaded question of what do you want for dinner? Well, I don't care. What do you want? We'll just pick something. And then it's always, I know the men are going to listen and say, well, even if I throw something out there, then it's not what she wanted. Why didn't she just pick it the first time? And the women's side, they're going to be like, well, if he would have just picked it. And it comes down to the dreaded word between men and women. That's why there's books written on it. Men are from Mars, women are from communication. But you're teaching mindful communication. I feel that there is no right or wrong way that we learn how to communicate. I think it's trial by error. But what do you feel is the hardest if for the men that are listening to this episode? This is this episode for every man to say, okay, you know what? I've got this. Like, this is for me. This is fantastic. This is an episode where I feel empowered. We're not talking about women. This is my turn. What do you feel is the hardest aspect for men of learning a healthy way and a mindful way of communication? I think the hardest thing is to understand, um, and I think this, you know, at a macro level, this can be true for any human relationships. It's, it's to understand that we all think differently and that, you know, what we're expressing in any given moment um, may not be exactly what we need in that particular moment um, mm-hmm. in the sense that, uh, in, you know, to go back to that example of the where do you want to eat for dinner? Um, in that moment, the the feminine wants the wants the man wants the masculine to make that decision, to feel like she can trust him and that she can make his you know make that decision. But she also just wants to feel his energy, to feel that masculine energy of of making a decision and feel that that balances with her with her feminine in that sense. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think being aware of that is something that is hard for a lot of men. Like a, another great example is. You know, I'll go to the grocery store and my wife will give me a list and I'll go to the grocery store. I'll pick stuff up. I'll come back. And she asked me, well, how to go? And, you know, that that began to seem like an odd question to me. Well, I I went to the store. I bought the stuff. I checked out. (laughs) I came home. Everything went great. Mm -hmm. And, you know, really, I think to a certain extent, she cares how it went. But more again, she just wants to feel that connection. And so the more that I could be aware of that, uh, and, and what that particular person needs in that particular moment that may be different from how I communicate. Um, it's easier. It's be, it's, it's, it makes me a stronger communicator when I'm able to give somebody what they need in that particular moment. Um, mm-hmm. If you've ever read the the five love languages, this is a great example of that. Um, I don't know if you've, you're familiar with that, but I forget mm-hmm. the guy's name that, that wrote it, but basically says that we all have a particular love language and there's five of them. And that, the way that we express love um, may not necessarily be the way that that person receives love, right? So for example, I could work very hard. I could work late at my job um, and I'm providing for my family and that's how I show love to my family. But maybe my family, their love language is quality time. They feel loved when I spend time with them. So the fact that in my mind, I'm 
I'm working really hard and I'm, I'm expressing my love for them by working hard. They're not receiving that. And so it's a matter of, in any communication, understanding how does the person receive the information that I have? And that just, uh, to, to get that, it, it requires just some more awareness, but also some open communication about, you know, what do you hear when I say that? Or giving feedback around, you know, when you say this in that way, I don't hear you because of this or, you know, because I react in this way. Can we figure out another way to, to have that conversation? So it's, mm-hmm. it's the internal awareness, but also uh, being able to get that feedback and, and take that feedback from the other person. So I have to ask, because for those that are listening, there might be some females that are nosy and they're like, oh, I want to hear this episode. This is getting into the men's mind. I want to know this. But this episode is really for the men. How did you get into this in regards to your life and helping men and being a mentor and having men really look up to you of, hey, if this is going on in your life, you're not alone. But these are the tools that you're providing so many out there in order to, like you said, forge those relationships, learn how to communicate in a healthy way. Because I feel like what you're doing is astounding because there's not a lot out there for men, podcasts, mentors. Yes, there's therapists. But I mean, when I did the poll, so many men feel, I don't want to go to a therapist. They're not going to be on my side. They don't, aren't, they're not going to understand me. If I go with my partner or my wife or my spouse, they're always going to take the female side. I don't want to talk about emotions. There's such this red flag boundary. So how did you get into doing this in your lifestyle to help so many men out there? Well, it really started with my own life and my own transformation. Um, you know, I'm in my late forties right now and earlier throughout my adult life, I've been, I had been really unhappy. Um, and just, you know, things weren't terrible on the outside. I was, uh, you know, I was, I was moving up the, the corporate ladder and I've had a good job and I was always employed and, um, you know, things were okay for me, but they, they just were that they were okay. Nothing was great. Nothing was, was, uh, remarkable. Um, mm-hmm. and when I heard that nice guys don't finish last, they rot in middle management. Like I said, that hit me between the eyes because I thought that's my life. I'm just going to rot here in middle management and, and, um, out of fear of wanting to, to take a chance and go for what I want out of, uh, shame of expressing what it is that I want. Um, and always having to settle, feeling like I, I have to settle for whatever's given to me and, and not be able to just have the life I wanted. Um, I struggled with that for a really, really long time for, for many, many years. Um, went through some serious depression, went through some serious, um, not necessarily suicide ideation, but mm-hmm. there was a part of me, I didn't feel like I could commit suicide, but there was a part of me that just wanted to die, that that would be the way out. Um, and there was kind of the blessing and the curse that I have. I call it the blessing and the curse that I knew the difference, that it was a, a blessing that I could say, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be this way, but it was also a curse to think, shit, this is how my life is. And, and I, maybe I just need to do something about it. And so I went on this really long path, long journey of trying to discover who I was and what I wanted and what I needed, um, you know, all while I was, I was, you know, married and, and had, uh, uh, I was working at a corporate job, working the big nine to five and, and actually putting in a lot more hours than just nine to five and really trying to find, you know, what hobbies I, I enjoyed and maintained a social life and all of this. And, and everything was just mediocre. Nothing was really remarkable. Nothing was going really well. My marriage wasn't going well. My job wasn't going well. 
Uh, my social life was was kind of falling apart. I had my hobbies, but I really didn't have much time for them and all of that. And so I just got to the point to where I said, you know, let's, I just want to do something different. I, I can't keep doing this. I can't live another 40 years of this. Mm-hmm. And so I set out on a path. I, I, I started reading as much as I could. Number one I, I read was the No More Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, I began, I eventually went to see a, a counselor uh, and started you know, going to therapy and, and, and it turned out to be very different than what I thought it would be. You know, I didn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't judged. Um, I wasn't made to feel like I was wrong or that the thoughts that I had were wrong or the feelings that I had were wrong. Um, they just were, uh, the, the, the therapist would just accept them and we would talk about them and we would get to a point of where I would help me to understand what was going on with me. And, and also through that, I kind of backed into uh, a mindfulness practice, which eventually became the sort of foundation that I have for my transformation. And I say backed into it because I was familiar with meditation and mindfulness as a, you know, as a relaxation technique or a focus technique. But I didn't really think that that was for me and not, not really anything that I wanted to really get into. And uh, in reading, a, I was reading a book, uh, Rich Roll's book called Finding Ultra, uh, where he talks about his transformation of feeling like he was going to die on his 40th birthday, literally, and going through this whole tra- health transformation where he became an, an ultra uh, triathlete. And he talked about a lot of his like long runs and long rides were this active meditation. Well, and at the time, I was training for my first Ironman. I was doing triathlons. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll try that. Um, you know, because I was out there for several hours riding a bike or running and, and I got into this active meditation and realized that it freed up my mind and my mind started to clear and I started to get a little bit more clarity about just what was going on around me and within me. And so I started actually a formal meditation practice with that, going beyond just the relaxation and productivity uh, hacks, but being a foundation for change of, of you know, going back to what I talk about of of creating that awareness between our thoughts and our emotions and our actions and our results and being able to insert myself and understand what, what's going on with my body and how I react to, to things and what's going on with my mind and being able to make those different choices. And it took me a really long time to do that. And I thought, if there's a way that I can help other men to cut down on that time and to understand that it doesn't have to be this way, you know, you, 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 we're told we have to, you know, we have to get the wife and the kids and the family and the, and the good job and the cars and the vacation and all of that. And, you know, some of us, we get that and we go, well, now what? I don't feel any better. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where we got to, you know, go inside and, and, and start to turn inward around that and start to uncover our purpose and our passion and our power. And um, I just thought if I can help people to do that, if I can help some men to do that, then that, that would be my purpose. Amazing. I did a poll because I always love to kind of get, you know, society and everybody's followers on social media. I had over a thousand men answer this poll, which is the biggest interaction I've ever had when I posted. And I asked if if someone were, if a stranger were to come up right now and they hooked you up to a lie detector test and they asked you how your life was right now, would it be happy? You have everything you could ever want. Content, things could be better, but they could be worse stuck, but I don't know how to get out of this or miserable. 98% of over a thousand men that did that poll was the word stuck. 
and I don't know how to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And it amazed me because when I asked you what got you into this, it was almost from what I was picking up. It's this fear of the unknown and fear of trying something new for the fear of failure of if I try meditation and it doesn't work, or if I try therapy, it might not be what I expect. I think that there's that almost weight on men's shoulders of the fear of it's easier to just be uncomfortable and stay stuck in my unhappiness than it is to actually sit down in my feelings. Because obviously when we speak about men, emotions is not something that they talk about. They store it and they dive it down deep. It eventually comes out later, usually at a time when you really don't have the time or the energy to really go through the emotions. And that's usually your crash and burn. That's the rock bottom. But Mm -hmm. I love how you stated, you know, you went to therapy, you did the work, you weren't sure if what it was going to be, but it was nothing like you thought. And when I asked so many men, hey, would you go to therapy? Absolutely not. Well, would you try maybe yoga or do something physical fit, find a hobby? No. So it's always that correlation that goes into mental health. Nothing is going to change in your life if you feel stuck or you feel uncomfortable unless you're willing to get out of that comfortability and you're willing to accept change to see what it looks like on the other side. So if we had a man that's listening right now, Out of a thousand, I know one of you, at least one of you is listening to this right now. And they're sitting there saying, I am stuck. I am that one man that said, I'm stuck. I can't get out. I'm not happy. But I don't even know what happy looks like. What would your direction be for them right now? And I would say that's that's exactly how I felt. You know, I felt stuck. Um, and if you asked me what what would a great life look like, what is it that you want? I I couldn't answer. And that's true for a Mm -hmm. lot of men. You know, we put so much emphasis on providing for others and putting others first that we don't even know what it is that we want out of life. And so I would say to men, the people that depend on you need you. They need you to show up in your authentic self and they need you to show up in your full strength, which means that you have to take care of yourself and you have to, just like on a plane, you put your mask on before you put anybody else's mask on because you can't help others until you help yourself. Mm -hmm. And so you know, getting over the stigma of if I'm going to therapy or if I show vulnerability, that that's a weakness, it's actually a strength and that I can better serve my community. I can better serve my family and the people that I love. I can better serve them if I'm more connected to my authentic self and there's congruency between what's happening inside of me and what I'm projecting outside. And I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to be somebody that I think they want me to be or that I need to be. I'm being exactly who I am. I'm being true to myself because that's how I can show up. And that's how I can serve the people that I love. I would say Mm -hmm. that's the most important thing. That's the switch that we need to get. And it takes a lot of work because I know there's men listening going, oh, I don't know if I want to go down that rabbit hole. It's work. But progression comes with fear. Change comes with just a little bit of an attitude adjustment and a mental capacity to want change and want a different direction. It's hard. Life is hard. But if you're only living for 80, 90 years, think about how much time you're wasting being stuck and being uncomfortable and unhappy when you have the control level to change your mental capacity and you could change the rest of your life and those around you. I always say on this podcast, you never know who's watching you. You never know who may be just watching your every move. You're the inspiration to at least one person. They may never tell you. So if they see you just being stuck and you're not willing to learn and educate yourself and really dive down into your mental health and into who you are as a man or a woman, what are you showing that person that's looking up to you? 
that it's okay to just be mundane. And I feel like, you know, in school, once we get out of college, you know, we're like, we've learned it all and we're done. But our minds are the biggest muscle in our body. They're able to have so much capacity to hold. So we really need to work at that. So I'm going, like I said, I'm going to put all your information in the bio description. You have a lot of articles and a lot of different things in your link tree that are so accessible and easy. And I always like to do this when it comes to mental health and with men. Sorry, but you guys don't like to usually ask for help, especially you guys don't like to ask for direction. Everything is in your bio description. It's clickable. It's easy. It's accessible. You don't have to bother anybody. You don't have to think, okay, if I click this and I read it and I don't like it, it's a failure. It's in your own fingertips at your own time and at your own pace. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, going back to my talking about being true to yourself, I think with everything that you take in, you know, you need to think for yourself, is this true for me? Does this resonate with me? Um, you know, the, the, we, we need to, we need to check in with ourselves and not just take everything at face value and not just take what people tell us as, as the gospel, but rather, you know, what is, what is true for me? Mm-hmm. Well, Brian, I really appreciate you coming on today and talking about this. I feel like from a female's perspective, for me to sit here and say, hey, you know what, men, you need to be more accountable. You need to be strong for yourselves. Mental health is huge. It's kind of a take it or leave it. And so I feel like you're the guru for men's mental health and you're the one to show, hey, you know what? You may not have it all together, but you don't have to. And that's the key. It's just take it day by day. Learn as you go. Dive into things that you may have never understood that it could be a great asset for you. And again, I'll put your information in the bio description. And I really appreciate you coming on from one podcaster to another and for just somebody just being so great and just vulnerable. I really appreciate it. And I know all the men that are listening appreciate your help as well. Well, thank you so much for having me. And and I appreciate that you did this for uh, the men in your audience. Thank you. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time right here with me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And don't forget to head over and rate and leave a review on your favorite streaming platform to bring others along this journey with us for next week's episode. And subscribe on the Little Bit of Life YouTube channel for upcoming videos and live action to come. Have you joined in on all of my adventures? Be sure not to miss a moment on Instagram at littlecuteoneaz. Let's share these stories to more that need to be in the know. I will catch you on the next episode. And remember, be good to others and be good to you.